Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. When you're having a baby, chances are you expect to go home with your baby after you give birth. If your child is born preterm, they will most likely stay in the neonatal intensive care unit or NICU, while you and your partner are in the strange situation of going home without your baby. Can you imagine It must be really difficult, not just leaving without your baby, but knowing that they have such intense medical needs that they need to stay in hospital. Now, research by the Miracle Babies Foundation has found that parents of preemie babies are more likely to suffer from postnatal depression than those with full-term babies. Melinda Cruz is the founder of the Miracle Babies Foundation. Hi, Melinda. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. You've had three babies Mm -hmm. that needed care in NICU. What was that feeling like, leaving them there? Um, I often describe that the day I was discharged, my my first son was born six weeks early, and I was on bed rest for five weeks before I had him, and he was delivered, and it wasn't until about the second or third day that someone came and spoke to me about having to be discharged. And I honestly, I look back and I think, was I naive to even not know that I was going to be sent home. I just thought my baby's here, I would stay here. So I often say that the day I was discharged was probably harder than the day of delivery. Um, And just the shock of it, like just having to walk away from him, the only word I can probably use to describe it is how much I hyperventilated. Um, It was was a really devastating process for me. And having to, I guess, and he was there for two weeks, but having to negotiate, you know, coming back and forth to the hospital. The second time I went through it with my second son was probably um, harder because I'd done it twice. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely devastated to, to not have that opportunity to be able to stay with them full time because that's what you would do if, you know, you delivered full term. And I think all parents should have that right to be with their baby. And also your body has just birthed a child. So mm-hmm. it's, of course, going through the rush of ho- hormones yep. and all of that. And your trying milk's to probably heal. coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, how did you handle that? Because preemie babies uh, thrive on breast milk. Yes. What did that mean for you? Well, that meant expressing, and I was um, I was so determined to express or to breastfeed. It was just something that was really important to me. So when they told me every three hours you would need to express just like you were having, you know, had the baby with you and he would be suckling, um, so I would do that. But, you know, setting your alarm clock at night when you don't have your baby with you and expressing every three hours, um, you, you're doing it through tears. It's not... It's not the situation that that you want to do, but I was yeah really determined to do that. I think the hardest thing for me would um, was trying to heal as well. So I had you know stitches that I needed to recover from. I wasn't resting, but you you put your health on the back burner. This is all about the baby, so you push yourself. Um, but it was it was such a, a very lonely and overwhelming experience. Um, and sometimes I think you're just going through the motions. It was a fog for us trying to push through that. So it's incredibly difficult. And you mentioned just then, you know, going up to the hospital to see your baby. Mm-hmm. Um, how often were you able to see him and what, what could you do while you were there? 
Um, well, I definitely went every day. Um, sometimes it would be twice a day. It was a little bit difficult with my second son because we had a toddler at home. So trying to manage him at home and, and you know, being at the hospital, being in two places at once was, was really hard. I always found, I don't know why, but that drive from the home to the hospital and then that walk up. And I in the beginning, because I was still healing, it was a slow walk. It just took forever. And the anxiety would set in and I always had I don't know I always had this picture of that he'd be in there crying like crying for me Um, I just couldn't get up there fast enough but then once you're in there you do you feel absolutely helpless when he was in a humidity crib there was hardly anything I could do other than the occasional touch um, along with expressing and trying to to build up my milk supply but you do you absolutely feel really helpless You're, you're at their mercy and you know we're so lucky with the care that our babies get given in Australia you know um, but yeah, it's it's such a horrible experience for parents to have to to go through. And of course, you founded Miracle Babies Foundation mm-hmm. after this experience to help other parents. Now you've just released the research in time for Miracle Month of mm-hmm. May, which I'll get yeah. you to explain about in a minute. But this research um, found that parents of premies are more likely to suffer postnatal depression. Mm-hmm which given what you just explained does not sound surprising. Um, but do we know much about dads in this situation? Not to discount mothers, mm-hmm. but we, we are always intensely focused on mothers mm-hmm. and how we can support them after a, one of these situations happens with yeah. birth. What do we know about dads? Well, the stats are showing that dads very similar, two and a half times the amount compared to if their baby was born full term. And you're right, we focus so much on mum and baby, um, but the work with the foundation, something that we are always conscious of trying to do is always use the word family. It's about the family unit because dad is included. And I know for me personally, when we went through it, you know, Our second son, he was born at 27 weeks. We had a nine-week hospital stay with him. And if you look at someone that's just got four weeks annual leave, like it doesn't cover it. So he had to go back to work. So he was trying to be strong for me, strong for the baby, had a little toddler at home and be fully functioning at work. So there's just not a lot of focus or... Um, I guess, awareness in terms of what dads are going through. And this research shows that they're suffering just as much as mummies. And a lot of the time, mum's focused on baby, but dad needs to be focused on mum and baby. So he's like got two people to worry about. And, you know, our situation was reasonably good because I was quite healthy. I was up. But we have families where baby's in intensive care, but so is mum. So, yeah, it's really hard and we, we can't we can't discount what they go through and we need to be able to make sure that the conversation gets started, that we talk about it and we allow them to, to talk about it. So the fact that this research sounds quite surprising to me, I, mm. I not surprising as in how does this happen? Obviously, it's a very traumatic experience, but that we didn't necessarily know that families with preemie babies were this affected by those early births. Mm-hmm. Do you think our support systems are missing that? You explained how, you know, the third day you were discharged, but you, mm-hmm. you weren't expecting that. Has there, is there a lack of knowledge on how parents are coping after the birth of a preterm baby? I think it's getting better and that's the role of the foundation. Um, so when I threw it, went through it, obviously there was no support groups or um, anywhere that I could, could reach out to be able to talk to someone that's been there. And we know, and you know, I, I think back to when I first initiated the concept and I had a, a really good conversation with the head of the unit where my boys were born. And one of the things, it's always struck out like, and it's just, 
um, that he said to me was, we can look after the babies medically and physically. We've got state-of-the-art unit, uh, units in this country. We're very fortunate. But he said, if we aren't looking after the emotional well-being of the family we're sending them home to, we're only doing half our job. So that was a really big um way that the foundation was able to come in and actually collaborate with them and say, well, how do we do this? It goes beyond the time in hospital. It does go after they're discharged and how do we do it? And that's what the foundation um, was set up to do. And we've found that peer-to-peer support, if you've got the opportunity to speak to somebody else who's gone through it, it's the biggest way to make an impact on their emotional journey. You know, I'm Italian background, got huge family around me, but first person to have a prem. So even though I wasn't alone, it was such a really lonely experience not having someone to be able to just say is this normal and my feelings normal Uh, you know what we're going through everything I was worried about because he was born so early and we know that these babies can have lifelong you know challenges or disabilities or or things that we don't know are going to show up until he starts growing Um, yeah just having somebody to kind of hold your hand or be there through it would have made the world of difference and that's what we're here for. So we, how does that work with the foundation? Mm-hmm. Do people call up and get connected or what, how does it work? Yeah. yeah, so we designed what we call our nurture program and there's lots of different ways and touch points that people can reach out. So we uh, run a 24-hour family support line called our nurture line. Um, we have in-hospital parent support. So that's when this would have made the world of difference for me. Past parents who have gone through it come back and actually sit down and talk, whether it's through education or support with current parents. And then once they're discharged, rather than kind of being out in, in the world on your own, we have play and support groups called our nurture groups. And that's for any baby that's spent time in care, um, right from discharge up until they're six and ready for school. So we stay with families long term. In addition to that, there's so much education and resources and stories on our website. Um, and even linking through Facebook, like we actually have the largest neonatal community on line in the country so you just have so much access to families that you know wasn't around 10 15 years ago so um anyway and that's that's the big thing for us we don't want someone to feel like they go through it alone so if any way that they want support they can come come and find us and access it and tell me about the miracle month of may what's behind this yeah so that's our national awareness month um every year and it is just to open the door and see what what's the conversation what do we what's important um making sure that people like i said do know that we exist and there's lots of ways that the community can get involved so they can make a donation um if they jump on our website there's lots of you know ideas for them whether it's holding a morning tea or doing something like that through work through family through their community um and we have a promotion called um, move for miracles so that's a way to get active, get your steps up, get moving. Um, and the goal is 48,000 steps, which happens to be the number of babies born premature and sick every year in Australia, which is wow. a huge number. So, yeah, so it's just opening that door um, and making sure that we're having these conversations so that families, you know, are put in the spotlight and they are getting the support and help that they need. And how are your boys now? Oh, they're fantastic. I'm Did so blessed. Did you have three boys? Yeah, yeah. So we went through it a third time, which was scary. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, different experience. I was really fortunate to have a cervical stitch and, and hold him a little bit longer. Um so I did longer on bed rest and he had a shorter hospital stay, which was a major blessing for us. But um, yeah, they're all teenagers now. And oh, my 
Lord. Have a massive love for basketball. And <laughs> yeah, we're, we're really blessed. And and I know for me going through even this experience the third time and it was while the foundation was being set up, just having that support made such a difference to me. Um, so I know what it can do for other families. And Isn't that yeah, fabulous? It's amazing. The foundation you started could support you me. too. Helped me, I know. I <laughs> didn't, love didn't it. didn't get set up that way, but it worked. It worked out. It yeah. worked out. Well, Melinda, yeah. thank you so much for coming in and chatting with us. Oh, thank you for having me. That's Melinda Cruz. She's the founder of the Miracle Babies Foundation. And for more information about what they do and the Miracle Month of May and how you can participate, check out the links in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. You can get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.